friends, happy new year. <coughs> happy new year. Yeah. Got the different colour on today. It's gone blue. I didn't do the other paraments, I'm sorry, but the stole is blue. It's Advent uh, and it's a new year. Not because we drank champagne last night, not because we threw confetti into the air, not because we made any hard to keep resolutions, but because it is a brand new church year. So welcome to Advent. And as we, as we arrive at Advent, we thank God so much. We thank him so much for a year spent in his grace. We thank him for a year of wonderful ministry as we look back over the last 12 months at what God has done in your life and in my life and in the, in the lives of everyone in this community. He has done some pretty amazing things. And so it's with that in mind that we look forward to another year living in God's grace. The word Advent, you probably know, you've probably been told every year, it means coming or arrival, right? And we're talking about Jesus. He came once as that infant child to save the world, to save you and me from our sins. He comes to us regularly and often, like today, through word and in a few weeks' time when, we're, when, uh, when I'm back on deck, through sacrament as well. He comes to us in word and sacrament regularly. And he'll come again as King of Kings and Lord of Lords in glory to judge us. And that return of Christ on the last day is under Mark's spotlight in Mark's Gospel today. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, Watch. It's Tuesday in Holy Week. That's where it is. And Jesus is making the most of every opportunity to teach and educate his disciples because that's what he's like. He, he, he wants to teach you and build you up and lay that foundation for you so that his people wouldn't die for the lack of knowledge. Jesus is an amazing teacher and he made some remarkable comments about the last day and it piqued the disciples' interest prick their ears up, they want to know more, they want to know when this is going to happen. And Jesus gives them this amazingly simple answer. No one knows about that day or that hour. Doesn't stop people trying though, does it? Doesn't stop people trying. People are always making predictions. And so I'm going to make a prediction today. And you can hold me accountable to it as well. But my prediction is that Next year, on the 12th of December, people are going to make a very big deal about that date. When I look at it, it's 12, 12, 12. And I'm just sure there's going to be something on the internet, something in the newspapers, some doomsdayer saying something about that. 12, 12 tribes of Israel, 12, 12 apostles. Oh, it must be the day. Or not. There are people who frighten others. They frighten people by...
by naming dates on the calendar for the end of the world. And I think we just passed one on the 10th of October. A guy had made a prediction that that was going to be it on the 10th of October or somewhere around that day anyway. And then the 10th of October passed and uh, he'd been pretty loud apparently and so the media are on to him. And uh, so they interviewed him of course and said, well, you know, kind of a bit dodgy there, like 10th of October has come and gone. He said, oh yeah, no, that was, that was just the first phase. It's actually happening next month uh, in November. And friends, I'm glad to say that day's passed too. And so I don't know what the next excuse is, but we need to be very, very careful. These false prophets make, keep, just keep making adjustments to their predictions and it just keeps going on and on and on. No one knows the day or the hour. The Bible is not a jigsaw puzzle or a treasure map, dropping little hints and clues here and there in the hope that we might find, finally piece things together and obtain some kind of privileged inside information. It's not that. It's not a jigsaw puzzle. It's not a puzzle. It's not like a Sudoku crossword that we have to try and figure out all the numbers. No one knows about that day or hour. And the Bible simply makes it clear that Jesus will return. I'll take comfort from that. Jesus will return. When we pray, Lord, sanctify us in your truth, for this your word is truth, well, the truth says Jesus will return. Take comfort in that. Rather than trying to discover some secret information that even the angels don't have access to, our Lord encourages us to act upon what we do know since Jesus is most certainly going to return. Be on guard. Be alert. You don't know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task. We're going to look at those tasks. And he tells the one at the door to keep watch. It's a good thing I don't know the day or the hour of Jesus' return. I'm glad I don't know. And Jesus knows that if he told me exactly when he was coming back, that would be a big risk for me. It'd be a great big risk. You see, it wasn't that long ago when I was living with my parents still, when I was a teenager. Well, it was a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago, right? And I don't know how things happened at your place, but when I got to kind of 14, 15, 16, mum and dad started going out. You know, they would go out to dinner group and see their friends at church. And, you know, as a 14, 15-year-old boy, I wanted to stay at home and have the house to myself. And so what mum and dad would do, they would leave me a list a list of things that I had to get done by the time they arrived back, usually about nine o'clock or somewhere around there, right? What did I do with that list? Whatever. I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to lay all over the couch. I'm going to eat ice cream because, you know, I can and you're not here. That's what I'm going to do. And then what would happen at 8.30? I would go berserk trying to get water in the sink to wash the dishes because mum would always ask me to wash the dishes. I'd be kicking my clothes back under my bed trying to clean up my room, frantically putting stuff in the bin to get the, to get the bins out before they came home and usually I was so slow that none of that stuff would be done and I would just manage to get some hot water in the sink and some dishwashing detergent so when they walked through the door I was at least washing the dishes. To keep us from becoming lazy, to keep us from becoming lethargic and spiritually sleepy, to keep us from having to scramble at that last moment in the hope that we might possibly get prepared and ready for Christ's return and because he loves us 
and because he wants us to be found ready and waiting for him, God hasn't given us access to his heavenly calendar. He just hasn't done it and it's very wise of him. This exact moment of Jesus returning glory is one piece of information that won't be given to us and in keeping that detail from us, he is doing something. He's training us. He's training us and equipping us to be on our toes, to be alert, to be awake and so that we'll be watchful. I've been around probably a handful of Christians who've lived out this opportunity to spend each day as if it was their last. Probably a handful. I lived with some of them too. And it was amazing. It's amazing to me now when I reflect on how they lived their lives. It's amazing. Because people don't like to think about numbering their days. That was the psalm from last week. Number your days. But it's just the truth. Your days are numbered. They are. And so are mine. And so how would you use your time differently if you actually lived in this biblical reality? And this isn't about God killing your joy or trying to kill your fun times. This isn't what it is. But sometimes we need to get serious too. If you had a week to live, would you plop down each night in front of the TV to watch sitcoms? Or would you stay up late sitting with and talking with your family members? If you had 14 days to live, would you start a new John Grisham novel or a new sci-fi book or, I don't know, whatever your favourite author is? Or would you be diving into God's Word and try to better understand and appreciate His message to you? If you just had a handful of days on this earth, would you go on a shopping spree, as many might say? Or would you sit down with your family and talk about how you might divide up your money so their needs could be taken care of and the work of the Lord could also be supported? If you really knew you only had a short time to live, don't you think you'd quickly develop a whole new set of priorities? Especially if you knew you were going to stand before your Lord's judgment throne in a matter of weeks or days. Maybe you wouldn't. Now, God isn't interested in frightening you into his kingdom today. He just wants you to grasp the urgency of faith. There is an urgency about our faith. And that's the attitude the Lord wants us to adopt, whether we have a week to live or whether we have several decades to live. It makes no difference. He is going to return. We know that. He wants us to be ready. He wants us to take our faith seriously and live as if it matters. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. So that he doesn't find you sleeping when he returns, Jesus has given you assigned tasks to keep you occupied and moving in the right direction until he comes. And he's not just talking to his 12 disciples here. He's not just talking to pastors and teachers and church leaders who hold elected positions. What I say to you, Jesus says, I say to everyone, watch, it's a blanket statement, a blanket command. Jesus is talking to you when he speaks about assigning tasks. That's the ministry he's given until his return. And God hasn't given you some mundane list of jobs to do before he gets home. You're all ministers of the gospel. 
you're servants of Jesus Christ, you're a royal priesthood of believers. We started that last year. And I think it's an appropriate way to start a new year as we live in God's grace, knowing that you are ministers of the Gospel. Every single one of you are servants of Jesus Christ and a royal priesthood. And that means God has taken humble clay pots, like what Isaiah was saying, like you and me, and he's moulded and shaped you into sacred vessels. By the cleansing of the blood of Jesus, he's turned unworthy and habitual sinners like us into co-heirs and co-workers with Christ. It's an amazing thing. We not only get to share in the glory of heaven, but we get to share in his work of telling people that Jesus died and was raised for them on the cross. That there's more to life, in fact much more to life, than TV sitcoms or couch time or planning for retirement. Something much more important or you wouldn't be here. And in this calling that you've received, I guarantee you, there will be times when you will feel overwhelmed by that call. There will be times when your strength fails and you cry out to God for the courage that you need and you'll do that because taking up your cross to follow Jesus, to make sacrifices for the sake of the kingdom, is not easy work. It's hard work. And just remember today what it all hangs on because your obedience is important. But the plan and the power comes from the Lord. The Lord who has power and authority to forgive all our sins, who's forgiven you today again and again in Christ, who's forgiven you all your sins for a whole year again. Well, all your life, but we're celebrating the beginning of a new year. All last year, God forgave you constantly, over and over again. Applied the grace of Jesus, applied the power of the cross to you personally, time after time. It's the Lord who wrote your name in the book of life at your baptism. The Lord who lifts you out of the pits and traps you get stuck in at different times in your life. It's God who places your feet on safe ground when things get tough. We might scratch and claw at the pits trying to get out, but it's like the psalmist says, you, O Lord, have lifted me out of the miry clay. God is the one who picks you up and puts your feet back on safe ground. It's not your brilliance, but the Holy Spirit who calls you through the Gospel and holds before you when your eyes are downcast and things are tough. The Holy Spirit holds before you Jesus Christ, our Lord and our very present Saviour in every need. And that's because the plan and the power for all your assigned tasks belongs and comes from and flows from God. And so we've started a new church year in God's grace. And it's going to be a year for you to be still in the presence of Jesus and be filled up when you're empty. It's going to be a year for you to receive everything that God knows that you need, that you don't even know yet what you're going to need for the year ahead, but He does. And He's going to give that to you because God meets needs. It's going to be a year filled with challenges. That's just a Christian life. But it'll also be a year filled with opportunities to share Christ. It'll be a year to grow deep in the promises of God yourself, to deepen your understanding of Scripture. It'll be a year of miracles as God calls people to faith using each one of you and me. God will do miracles. That's gospel ministry. It's miraculous. 
So are you awake and up for that challenge? Do you want to see God extending his kingdom? Just stay awake and you'll see him do it. So let's strive to be active, faithful and prepared as we lift our eyes to the skies and wait for our Saviour to return in glory. The first time he came, he carried the sins of the world. Next time he'll carry his people to heavenly glory with the praising and the joys without parallel and where it never ends. So may the Lord bless you this year with profound and in profound and amazing ways by his power at work in your life and in the lives of the people around you. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus our Lord and our coming Saviour. Amen.